beginning a new uh, sermon series. And uh, for us, it's going to be nine weeks long. For the children, it's going to be eight weeks long, starting next Sunday. But uh, our series is going to be Close Encounters with Jesus. And we're going to be looking at some stories in the New Testament and encounters that uh, people had with Christ and the transformation, the huge transformation that took place. And uh, what's going to be unique about these next eight weeks is the text that the um, adults are studying is going to be the same text that the children are going to be looking at in children's church and the youth will be looking at on Sunday night in their time together. So, and then the life groups uh, will be centered around the the conversation will be centered around the text as well. So, we are all going to be on the same page this summer for the next eight weeks. All right. So, um, again, new schedule next Sunday, and uh, part of that as a kickoff to that new schedule, there is going to be a pancake breakfast. From 9.30 to 10.30, this is going to be a fundraiser for our uh, our fifth graders who are going into the sixth grade. Uh, they're going to be going to summer camp at uh, Forest Home. And, uh, and so this is going to be a fundraiser for them. I know it's Father's Day, so uh, ladies, you don't have to cook breakfast that morning. Just uh, come to the church, and uh, there's going to be a pancake breakfast for the hour before church starts. Okay, so uh, looking forward to the summer and what God's going to do this, uh, this, this season. But uh, looking at Matthew chapter 18, and uh, let me just uh, read. I'm going to, I want to read for us. Um, in the beginning, verses 1 through 6, as uh, we look at childlike faith this morning. Jesus says this, At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, Unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. As we look at this text this morning, church, um, Jesus is letting us know that he loves children. And children love him. And when, it, when we look at the life of the child, the, the example of childlike faith, Jesus says, this is all, this is how we all should be. Now, <clears throat> Jesus invited this child up to, to sit on his lap as, as an illustration. And uh, you need to understand a little bit of the context of what's happening here in chapter 18. 
Jesus had just had a conversation with his disciples that uh, he was going to be um, he was going to be led, led away and he was going to be beaten and he was going to be crucified and he was going to rise from the grave. He was talking about his impending death. And on the, the heels of that conversation, the disciples ask a question. Jesus, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? That question was so insulting. You know, it would be like uh, you having gone to the cancer and you being told that that you have cancer, doctor, and you've, you've been told that you have cancer and you're telling your your friend that you're about to die. And he turns around and he asks the question, say, would it be okay if I had your car? You know, how insulting would that be? And yet that was the disciples' response to what Jesus had just told them. Jesus, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? And based on that question, Jesus does a pie pass of all the disciples. And he brings up a child, and he sets the child on his lap, and, and, and he says that true greatness in my kingdom is this, that unless you become like a child, you will not be the greatest in my kingdom. Why did he direct their attention, use the example of true greatness using a child? An unspoiled child characterizes true authentic humility. And we know what it's like to be uh, around a truly unspoiled child. I mean, there's there's nothing but trust in the heart of this child. There's dependence upon those who who love that that little one and care for that individual. There's absolute dependence. And in their heart, they want to make people happy um, who are around them. And they're not bringing attention to themselves. They don't brag about themselves. But they just want to please others. And Jesus is saying that unless you have the heart of this child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. True humility thinks of others over oneself. We can turn to Romans chapter 14 and and uh, those who are weaker in the faith. And Paul says that uh, we are not to live our lives in such a way that we will be an offense, that we will be a stumbling block to others. It's it's all about others rather than ourselves. And Jesus is telling us in this text this morning that we need to pursue the heart of a child, to have that childlike faith. Look at verses 3 and 4. Verses 3 and 4 says, And I say, Truly I say to you, 
unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Jesus is saying that we need to seek to become like the heart of a child, that we need to receive children in this place. We need to be about children because as we receive the children, Jesus says, we are receiving them. And then he warns us in verse 6. He says, But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. We can't cause them to stumble. Look at verse 10. We haven't read verse 10 yet, but uh, we can't even despise them. Verse 10 says, See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. It's a dangerous thing, church, to look down on the life of the child. To see children and say, oh, that's too much work. That's too much energy. We're, we're not going to try to reach. So we're not going to try to minister to that age group. Jesus warns us of that and having that kind of attitude. Jesus is for children. Jesus loves them and children love Jesus. And so we are to welcome a child because when we welcome a child, we welcome Christ. And the father has angels watching over those little ones. And so that's why we go to the effort we go to to provide a vacation Bible school so that children will learn just what G, how much how much Jesus loves them, all that Jesus has done for them. And yes, it takes a lot of energy. And there's a lot of sacrifice on many of your parts because you have full-time jobs. And you're going to come to church after those full-time jobs and you're going to spend time with children. I just want to remind all of us this morning that as we spend time time loving children, leading children to Jesus, as we receive them, we are receiving Jesus himself, Jesus says. So is it worth it to spend thousands of dollars on vacation Bible school? Absolutely. Is it worth it to have spent thousands of dollars to redo a room that will just capture the imagination of a child uh, and use it as a tool for children's church and children's choir and, and junior high youth group? Absolutely. Because as we minister to children, we are ministering to Jesus. And I want children, as they drive past, past China Lake Boulevard, 
I want them to beg their mom and dad to bring them to this church. McDonald's understands that message. And when my kids, whenever I drove my kids back uh, past McDonald's, they were begging me to take them to McDonald's. The, the same ought to be true with driving past this, this building because they know what's inside this building. And they know that there are people who love them. And they're going to teach God's word on their level. And they get it. And they want to celebrate who Jesus is in their life. We must welcome children. And if we ever get to the point, church, where we think to ourselves, too much energy. We can't do it anymore. That's when God begins to close the doors of this church. Because children, newborn believers, are the lifeblood of this church continuing. Welcome children, Jesus says. Become childlike in our faith, in our, in our, in our obedience to our Lord and Savior. And never abuse, never neglect a child because there are severe consequences if we do. Now, Jesus kind of uh, uh, transitions uh, from uh, from the from the the one who is greatest in his kingdom, a child, to the idea of evangelism and the idea of caring for all. Because it's not just about the little ones. But look what the Bible says in verse 10. And you don't have verse 11 in um, your handout or in, well, let me read verse 10. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven there are angels all, all, their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. And then verse 11, for the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Now I had to read verse 11 in the NIV. I have an English um, Standard Version Bible. Verse 11 is not in my ESV Bible. Um, Because some of the earliest manuscripts, uh, scholars say verse 11 was added. But we know that Jesus shared that in other places in the New Testament. Jesus came to seek and to save those who are lost. And Verse 10, Jesus says, do not despise one of these little ones. Basically what that means, it's not just about children. It's about everyone. In the eyes of God, we are all his little ones. Jesus loves everyone. And when you look at the church... The church isn't just about little ones, about newborn believers. Uh, the New Testament refers to the fact that as Christians, that we are to grow and mature in our relationship with Christ, becoming more and more like Christ. And so we're not to stay little, 
But we are to grow in Christ-like faith, growing mature in him. And that means we need to be teaching the word of God. We need to be feeding the sheep. But when it comes to the church, it's not just all about feeding the sheep. We need to be about evangelism too. This place needs to be a delivery room just as much as it is to be an education center. We need to see new people coming to know Christ and those who are in their relationship with Christ growing into Christ-like maturity. We need both. And we need old Christians helping new Christians to be grounded and stable in their faith. And we need new Christians in old Christians' lives to keep them fired up in the faith because they're excited about their relationship with Jesus. Folks, we need both the old and the new here at Emmanuel. And I love what uh, Steve Schwerin is doing with our men's breakfast right now. Um, he'll have a, a, a teaching, a, a video teaching, and then he we're in our in our groups around tables, and we're answering questions that he's asking. And those, the men around that group, need to be both those who are young in the Lord as well as those who are mature in the Lord. The young ones need to be learning from the old ones what it's like for to walk with Jesus for years and years. How to treat your wife. How to love your wife sacrificially. How to raise godly children. We need the old teaching the young. And we need the young uh, inspiring uh, the old in their newfound faith. That's the church. And we need to be about both here at Emmanuel Baptist. Now, when it comes to childlike faith, it doesn't mean being simplistic. It does mean being simple, but it doesn't mean simplistic. It doesn't mean childish, but it does mean childlike. And what does childlike look look like? Childlike is a, a child that's full of awe. It's like the children who walked into the junior high room uh, this morning to see the room for the very first time. And they were saying out loud, this place is cool. That's being childlike. That's being filled with awe and wonder. But in that childlikeness, that childlike faith, there is a total dependence on God. Childish is being immature and selfish. But childlike is being filled with awe and wonder and total dependence on who God is and whom God wants to be in their life. Yes, we are to be childlike in our faith, Jesus says, but we are also to grow in Christ-like maturity. Now, how do we grow 
and yet still remain childlike? Good question. We grow in the knowledge and service of Christ, becoming mature believers, but always maintain that childlike dependence upon him. Do you have that childlike faith? That's where a close encounter with Christ begins. You've got to have that childlike faith to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, you're not going to hear that in the world. Okay, the, the world is, is going to say, tell you that uh, there is no creator God. You know, that you're just here by accident, but, but you tell that, but you tell a child that, uh, that God's real, that God's made them, and they believe that. And you can tell a child that because that's what the scripture says. Now, I want you to understand that, that God loves everybody. That uh, for everyone sitting in this room, that everyone who's, who's breathing, not only here but around the world, we are, we, are, we are all God's creatures, but we're not all God's children. In order to be God's child, you have to come to him in that childlike faith and believe in who he is. And when we come and we believe in who God says he is, we become God's child. But if you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with, with God this morning, I want you to know that, that God loves you. God is crazy about you. God is, God is mad about you. He's not mad at you. He's a mad about you. He, he, he loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to, to, to live a perfect life and, and die on a cross, take the punishment for the sin that you and I deserved. God loves us. God created you. And you know, for a child, that is so easy to believe. A, ma- a mom and dad who love Jesus and, and convey that truth to their child. I mean, they're like, they're like a little sponge and then they, they just take it all in and they believe. But what happens to us as adults? You know, we go away to school and we get educated. And we get smart. And we hear, you know, that God has created us, that, uh, that, uh, God loves us, and we sit there with our arms folded, and we're, we're convinced that there is no God, and we have a heart of stone. And we think to our, and we say to ourselves, or we'll say to others, prove it. And the only way that it can be proven is by the grace of God in their heart and life. And God opened their eyes. You want to go to heaven? You go to heaven by having childlike faith, Jesus says. And my, how humiliating that is. I mean, we have to, we have to swallow our pride. 
we have to admit that God's right and I'm wrong. We have to admit that our life is full of sin and we've, and that sin has broken, uh, whatever relationship we could have had with God. And we need to ask God to forgive us. Again, it's an act of humility. But if we're willing to do that, to take on that childlike faith, Jesus says in John chapter 1, verse 12, he says this, Yet to all who did receive them, to those who believed in him, his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You're not just his creation, but you're now his child. If we're willing to swallow our pride and believe in what Jesus said he did for us by dying on that cross, by coming out of that grave three days later. Yes, you gotta believe that a man was dead for three days, but came back to life and is alive forevermore and sits at the right hand of the Father. You gotta believe that. And Jesus says that takes childlike faith. But in this text, verse 10 says, See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven there are angels always, their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. It's not just about the little ones, the children. But in the eyes of God, friend, we're all little ones. Look at verse 12. Well, what do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that never went astray. So it is that not the will of my father, so it is not the will of my father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Jesus was, is wanting all of us to know this morning that we're all little ones. Scripture goes on to say in the book of John that Jesus is our shepherd. And he calls us, he's illustrating us as sheep. And if one goes astray, that one is so important to God that he will leave the 99 to themselves and he'll go after the one. And I want you to know, church, what Jesus is conveying in this passage of Scripture is that we're all prone to stray. We're all sheep. And sheep aren't very smart, And sheep need a shepherd in order to survive. There was a, um, there was a a place in Turkey several years ago that, um, 1500 sheep walked off a cliff. You know, apparently one of the sheep just off the cliff that sheep went and 
the sheep right behind it followed. And one after one, 1,500 sheep um, walked off that cliff and 450 of them died. And the reason why not all of them died was because uh, those uh, behind, I mean, they were falling off, falling on the, uh, to the other sheep, and so it kind of broke their fall. But sheep are stupid. And that's the way Jesus is describing up it, it, us. It's real easy to be to get caught up in the crowd, caught up with what the majority says, and follow public opinion. And Jesus is saying, "No, you need a shepherd. You need to keep your eyes on me." And Him as our shepherd in this text is telling us that Jesus cares for every little one. Every little one, you, little one, are important to Jesus. And he will leave the 99 in search of you if you stray away. That's how you important you are to him. Isaiah chapter 53 says that uh, as sheep, we have a tendency of going astray in our hearts. Our heart wants to do evil. Our heart wants to do our own thing. And that's why we need the word of God, that we need our shepherd to keep us on the right path. And the third thing that Jesus tells us from this passage of scripture, that he is never going to give up on you. You may wander off, but God... Our shepherd, Jesus, is always going to be in pursuit of you. I love the the Last Supper. When Jesus is with his twelve and the one, uh, Judas, he's already betrayed Jesus. And uh, Jesus knows what's in Judas' heart. Jesus knows what Judas is about to do. But he, Jesus continues to invite Jesus, Judas back into, um, back into relationship, to come into relationship with Jesus. He washes Judas's feet. Judas is about to turn Jesus. Jesus washes his feet. Jesus loves his enemy. Jesus loves his friend. Jesus is reminding Judas, Judas, you don't have to do this. This is the heart of God. And Jesus will always be in pursuit of us. And folks, that needs to be our heart as, as well. How many of us know people who once walked with Jesus and have gotten burned out or gotten burned by somebody else and they've quit the church? Just as Jesus is in pursuit of them, church, we need to be pursuing them as well. Who do we need to contact this week that we haven't seen in a long time? Just... 
just call or write a note. I've been thinking about you. I've been reminding, reminded of you this week. How are you doing? Can we get together and talk and allow God to use that conversation? Jesus says that we are all little ones. And if we have lost that childlike faith, if we've become too sophisticated, too smart in our relationship with God, we need to humble ourselves. Because the greatest of those, and those who are going to enter the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, have this heart of a child. May we never lose the heart of a little one. God wants to carry us throughout all of our life. You know, I'm reminded of my grandkids. Occasionally, I'll have a grandchild uh, request, Pa, can you pick me up and carry, carry me? You know, and it was real easy to carry them when they were Macy's age or younger. But as they get a little bit older and they ask, Pa, carry me, you know, uh, uh, you know, Pa wants to carry you, but you're a little too big now. We never get too big to where God can't carry us. God in his word says he will carry you all your life. Look at Isaiah chapter 46, verses 3 and 4. Listen to me, you descendants of Jacob, all the remnant of the people of Israel, you whom I have upheld since your birth and have carried since you were born. Even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. That's our God. And may you never let go of that childlike faith. And some of you are really struggling right now. You're looking at some serious health issues. And you don't know if you've got enough energy for today, let alone tomorrow. My friend, let this promise carry you. Because God carries you. He may not heal you. And you may not live to see another day. But you're his little one. And if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're going to live. And you're going to live for all eternity. And people with that childlike faith know that 
and believed that and just surrendered their lives to him. Do you want to have that childlike faith? You want to have that hope, that confidence that he's there and that he carries you and he saved you and he's forgiven you? You can know him today. If you'll just humble yourself, just like a little child. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this simple but very profound truth. God, our our intellect is a real stumbling block gets in the way of of God who you want to be in our life and uh, Lord if there's if there's one here this morning who needs you that Jesus I pray today would be the day of their salvation if I'm talking to you this morning if you've never made that that personal decision to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But this morning you believe. You have the heart of a child. You believe what the Word says. That Jesus died for you. That Jesus came back to life three days later. You believe. You know that you're a sinner. and You need God to forgive you. Today you can be saved. Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I need you. Lord Jesus, this morning I believe that you died for my sin. God, please forgive me. God, I don't understand it all, but help me to walk with you, to live for you for the rest of my life. By faith, I surrender my life to you. Thank you for hearing my prayer. My friend, if you prayed that prayer in your heart this morning, the Bible says you're no longer just his creation, you're his child. And he holds you. And he knows you. Christian, mature Christian, many years in the Lord Christian, encouraged that God continues to carry you. He knows your physical weakness. He knows what you're facing. He knows the doctor's appointments you have this week. He knows the surgeries that are on the horizon. He knows. He knows. He knows. He holds you. And we'll hold you through the final breath you take here on this earth. And it will be the beginning of life eternal. Let him encourage you this morning. Christian, if you've wandered, if you've been a sheep that have wandered, just know that Jesus is in hot pursuit of you. Stop running. You can't run from God. Ask Jonah. 
He tried. He lost. Come back to Him. He is the only person in whom you will find peace and security and rest. Come home. Father, thank you for a church who loves children, who's willing to make big sacrifices to teach the good news of the gospel. God, I pray that you empower our volunteers. God, they're going to need your strength and energy this week as they serve you through the life and heart of a child. God, we pray for a harvest of of children to come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior this week. And that, God, that we might have the opportunity to baptize some of them this next, this Friday night. But uh, thank you for each volunteer and all, all that they're going to do. Thank you, Father, for a church who sacrifices financially and individuals who give to, to your work here in this in this church that we might have the resources to do a vacation Bible school. God bless them as they're faithful and their their time and their talents and their treasures. God thank you for being a God who hears our prayer. You are the only God. And help us to always have that childlike faith. In the eyes of the world, we look absolutely foolish. The cross is a huge stumbling block, but thank you, Jesus, that by your grace, we were able to swallow our pride, knew that it wasn't about you, about us, but all about you, what you did for us. Thank you for hearing the prayers of your children here this morning. Help us to be here for each other, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.